This story, read by Dr. Min Baster, titled Great Product, No Market, illustrates how often organizations solve problems or invent new products that are often not even required by the consumer. Great product, no market. Alice said, you know, that reminds me of another story that happened in our company. Not in my plant, but at head office. What was that, Harry asked. Well, it turns out that we were trying to break into a new market. Until then, we'd been doing retail, grocery stores, department stores. We thought we saw a market on the institutional side, hospitals, schools, that kind of thing. So figuring that we could repeat our successes in retail, we stocked the new division with people who could apply what had worked for them on the other side. Sounds like a sensible thing to do, I said. On the surface, yes, but here's what happened. What's worked for us in retail is to make a superior product, promote its advantages like the Dickens, and then watch the customers pour in. So our marketing and product development people started by trying to make a superior product for the new division. They spent two years making a cleaning product for hospitals, one that would disinfect at the same time. You see, while our competitors' products did a good job of disinfecting walls and floors, None of them cleaned very well. It turned out to be a major technical challenge to put together disinfecting and cleaning ingredients in one product. Head office thought it would be a major coup to do it. So were they successful, I asked. You bet they were. Two years later, they had patented a superior cleaning product that killed germs just as well as the competitors. Of course, it cost more but we figured that hospitals would believe the dual benefits justified the extra cost. Guess what happened? Our sales force never sold a gallon, not one. It turned out that the hospital managers couldn't have cared less about improved cleaning. They felt their cleaning was already good enough. The only things they cared about were cost, disinfecting power and good service from the salesperson. After about a year of trying, we gave up. So a team of researchers and marketers wasted two years coming up with a great solution to the wrong problem, Harry said. Exactly. They didn't take the time up front to do good fact-finding. If they had, they would have discovered that cost and service were the keys to cracking the market. So we should have defined our problem as to how to improve cost and service for hospitals rather than how to improve cleaning for hospitals. That's another great story, I said. It illustrates the importance of what I call the problem definition step in the creative process. Besides defining the problem accurately, you've got to define it in words that motivate you to solve it. How might we improve cost and service for hospitals? How might we improve cleaning for hospitals? So it's important to make sure you're asking the right questions before you start worrying about finding the right answers. Here is a summary of the learnings that we can derive from this conversation. Problem defining is the hinge between fact-finding and solution-finding. Frame problem definitions as challenges. The phrase, how might we, is probably the most important question in the creative problem-solving process. It is a way around roadblocks posed by the phrase, we can't because, or other variations. Make sure that the problem or challenge you are solving is important to the customer or the target audience 